Good morning. We're so glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, as our call to worship, we want to lift up our eyes to our God and find rest in who he is. So this is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And God, this morning, we just, we just declare how much we need you. We need you, Jesus. Will you help us to rest in you today? Amen. Sing this, come thou fount, come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing that praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, I call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some hallelujah song. Sung by flaming songs above, praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of our redeeming love. Oh, oh, oh. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Tither by thy help I come, and I hope I thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. How did he seek us? Jesus sought me with a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue. Precious blood, yes, she did. No, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a Take and seal it, 
our sins before him and then we're going to be reminded of his grace towards us in Jesus who he sent to save us so the words will be on the screen I'll read some and when it says together we'll read them out loud so good father remind us again who you are you're the gracious and merciful God You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The faithful one who extends new mercy to us every morning. But we confess we have forsaken your love and kindness by living as if you don't exist. We have tried to make earth our home, even though you told us this world is not your home. Together, Father, forgive us. By your kindness, lead us to repentance and rest in you. And we have been far too easily pleased with the broken cisterns and empty wells of this world. Even though you told us if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink together. Father, forgive us. By your kindness, lead us to repentance and rest in you. And let's hear the good news this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh and he makes us righteous. Because of Jesus, we can say in full assurance of faith together, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, shall nakedness or danger or sword together? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can be sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. 
And just wherever you're at, celebrate this news. Celebrate this gospel, that he's, this good news that he's done. This is our God. Let's sing to him.
you all to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray for the world and for our nation dealing with this terrible virus. You have put people in the right place just for the right for a time like this. World leaders, our president, governors, doctors and nurses, and even people to stock shelves. I thank you for them all and I pray for their protection, Lord. God draws all to you as we seek answers for what might be ahead. I also pray we see how important the week ahead is. Jesus, I ask you to reveal yourself to each of us in a dip, deeper way and that we may ponder what you did for us. In your name I pray, amen. Well, thank you, Donna. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. Um, it is Palm Sunday, and it's just really great to celebrate together. Um, so what we're going to do right now is, like we've done the past few weeks, if you've been here, we just want you to comment and say where you're at this morning, say who's with you, and you guys can just chat for a second over there in the chat section, and then uh, Tim's going to come up and do announcements for us. So go for it. Yeah, feel free to uh, say where you're where you're joining us from. Um, maybe just uh, man, use those comments uh, even throughout our our time. Just use those comments to uh, to be community. I mean, typically we'd come into our gathering at the elementary school in Collins and and talk and and just kind of circle up and uh, and do that before and after our service. And so use the chat area for that. It's it's not the same, but it it is good. And and it's a good way for us to connect with each other. And even as the Lord's putting stuff on your heart during the message or at any time in our service, uh, please use that area. There's a little prayer uh, thing that you can click on uh, on your screen, too. And uh, that'll take you into a private area with one or two other people. And and you can pray with them, too, at any time. And we'd love for you to take advantage of that. So we've been worshiping the Lord uh, through song as Christy's been leading us into that. And we're going to continue worshiping Him with our giving. And that is something that, uh, man, as a church, I think it's so easy for us to give out of our plenty. It's, it's so easy for us to give when it's like totally safe. But for us to give when it's risky, um, for us to give when it's risky is a whole different ballgame. And Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and saying, hey, I want to tell you about this other church, uh, these other churches in another part of the Roman Empire, these churches in Macedonia. 
Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. Sounds familiar, huh? They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. He said this to encourage the church in Corinth, and I think to encourage us is, is man, would we, would Sacred Mission Church, would we be give a church that gives risky, that, that gives generously as a church so that we can meet needs as we come across them, meet needs as they're definitely uh, coming for in our community and beyond our community. And I, I want, you, I want to, to, for it to be very clear that, uh, man, it's okay to not be okay It's part of Sacred Mission Church. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to hide it. And so please, like as we are giving together, if you're in need, if this has just decimated your family or things broke down or whatever it may be, and and you're really struggling, please let me know personally. Please let us know as a church. And this is why we're locking arms and giving together is that so we can share with one another those who are in need and and we can give generously to to you, to our community. So please let us know. Uh, The easiest way to give is just through our website, sacredmission.church. There's a give link there. Um, you can, through the website too, see our mailing address and send checks that way too, uh, if that would be more easy. So uh, one quick announcement is our Easter service times, which is crazy that this is like right here, is that we're going to have on Good Friday, this coming Friday, we're going to have a 5 p.m. service and a 9 p.m. service. So we're going to have a 5 p.m., 9 p.m. service. Uh, We'll explain that a little bit more, why we're doing those two times uh, during the message, but uh, at 5 and 9 on Good Friday, and that's at sacredmission.online.church. And then we're also going to have a uh, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Sunday morning, Easter Sunday services. So our Easter Sunday services are 8 a.m., as soon as you wake up, or 10 a.m., our usual time at sacredmission.online.church. So Madison's going to come and share with us about uh, kids' stuff. Hi there, kids. Miss Madison here. We are going to, once again, pull out your sermon notes. Um, If you guys don't have one of these, we'll be posting a link in the comment that will have um, the link to this PDF, so you guys can go ahead and print that. Um, For those of you who are new, we've got fun things to do on the inside. We've got a listening guide with words that if you hear Pastor Tim say that, you can circle it and you want to try and circle all of them. And it's really fun. Um, So go ahead and pull those out. Go print them. Get your crayons. Get your pencils. Um, And then for everyone, why don't you go ahead and get your Bibles, open it up. Um, We're going to have Tim come preach to us today. Thanks, Madison. Uh, you know, this week is a really important week. Uh, it's 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 important for um, helping to slow the spread of the coronavirus, um, and uh, the, it's an important week. This week is an important week. Interestingly, for two thousand years, not just for the last couple months, but for two thousand years, this week has also been critically important because it's Holy Week. 
This is the, the term for this week that we're in, starting today, is Holy Week. It's the week leading up to Easter. Uh, man, I think there's a temptation for us to be so busy, to be so busy with uh, kind of sitting at the feet of the 24-hour news cycle, so busy for us uh, running through just thousands of scenarios in our minds uh, that maybe there's a temptation that maybe we should just cancel or postpone Easter. You know, it kind of seems like that's what we're doing is we're just canceling and postponing things. I can't even think about that right now. Uh, let's postpone. Let's cancel. And I can't stress enough that I think as a church, I think as a community, that it's more important than ever for us to focus this week, for us to keep Holy Week holy. And that word holy just means set apart. Uh, for us to keep Holy Week as this unique, set-apart moment in our year. Um, I think I can confidently say, too, that this is the most important Holy Week that any of us have ever experienced yet in our lives. That what is happening in our world, um, for, for no matter how old you are or how young you are, I think I can confidently say this week is the most important Holy Week that you have ever lived into, um, and I feel that for me, and I feel that for for all of us. Today is Palm Sunday. Okay, to, that that's today. You're like, wait, wait a second, that's today. Yes, today is Palm Sunday. Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem today. He will never really leave Jerusalem. He came to earth to save you. He came to earth to save me. Our sin has brought us separation from God, and he is entering Jerusalem today. He's entering Jerusalem today to take care of the separation between us and God, to take care of that once and for all. He is God so that he can do what needs to be done. He is God so that he can do what no man has ever been able to do, which is save all of humanity with one single act. He is also, though, fully man so that he can truly represent us. He can stand in our place. He is like us in every way. He understands us in every way except sin. He is greeted today on Palm Sunday like he deserves. So many times, as we've been reading, so many times, people just miss him. They miss what he's about. They miss what he's here for. A lot of the parables, it's him correcting people's wrong thoughts about who he is and why he's here and what he's doing. And leave it to these kids on Palm Sunday to sing rightfully that the victorious king is entering the city and we should all be rejoicing. And thankfully, he is treated the way that he should be treated by some as he entered the city on this day, on Palm Sunday. But some people actually tried to stop Jesus. Or, or the, sorry, they tried to stop the worship Jesus. They tried to stop these kids from saying what they were saying um, at, of, about Jesus at this time. And this is what Jesus said to them in return. So people who are trying to stop the worship of Jesus on Palm Sunday, he said, it, it's recorded in Luke 19, 40. I tell you, if these were silent the very stones would cry out. <laughs> like, if, if you don't listen to these, if you don't let these people say what they're going to say about me, 
the stones underneath them will start crying out because the creator is standing on the planet that he made and um, how could he not receive the worship that he's due? So if the people don't do it, the rocks will do it. And um, I think an important question for us as Jesus stands overlooking Jerusalem and even crying, saying, man, how often I've wanted to gather you to me as, as, a, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't have it. I think an, an important question for us is where does he stand in our lives? Have the rocks around you been crying out because you haven't been worshiping him? Today is like, of all days, today is the day to, to think about that, to ponder that, uh, because that is what is happening uh, in as we step into this holy week. That is what is happening on this day, is that people are being directly confronted and saying, hey, I will be worshiped. Will you be one of those that are worshiping me. And that's, that's kind of how we have Sunday. That's how we have Sunday wrapping up in many ways. Um, and then we have Monday. So this is going to be a lot of what we're going to do this morning is just walk through each day and see how as we walk into this week, uh, how we're going to be taken through this journey and, and what it could even mean for us and how it could change us. So on Monday, tomorrow, Jesus makes a whip. Some of you don't see Jesus this way. You just see him as this like flannel graph type, like really, like he is the Prince of Peace, you know, but you just kind of keep him as this like sweet baby Jesus. And you just kind of want to like approach him when he's a baby on Christmas morning. But uh, this is this is a Jesus that is radical and is, uh, is on the move and is kicking down doors to get to people. And so we see tomorrow on Monday, Jesus makes a whip and he cleans house. He cleans house at the temple in Jerusalem. He flips over tables of money changers. So you actually, it was like an ATM machine where it was like, hey, if you want to actually um, sacrifice something here at the temple, you first have to buy it at the temple. In order to buy it at the temple, you have to have the right currency. And in order to have the right currency, you have to go over here and exchange your money. And so when they were exchanging their money, they were charged ridiculous ATM fees that all of this was basically poor people seeking to worship their God, and they were just being fleeced all the way throughout. And the first thing that Jesus does on Monday is he, he breaks that all. He whips people, he flips over those tables, and he is zealous for people to have access to him. He says with burning passion, he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And so, you know, these are some of the last things that Jesus is doing on planet Earth. And on Monday, uh, he is cleaning house. And I think uh, appropriate personally for us on Monday um, is I think if our life was laid out on tables, would Jesus come and overturn any of them? Are there any things in our life that are keeping us from him? Are there things in our life that and he's doing this for our good, for, for his worship, for our pleasure? He is flipping over things. And, um, and is there anything that he come and overturn in our lives? And uh, if you're like, I have no idea, 
that is a beautiful prayer to pray on Monday. Lord, is there anything in my life that you would want to flip over uh, so that I would see you more clearly, that I would be able to come to you? And, um, and if, you think, if you see things, and if things come to mind, repent. Ask friends. Repent. Turn. Be changed. Some of these people, after the table was flipped over, they just flipped it back over and just tried to keep on their day, and they were no better off after encountering Jesus. And that is a shame. And let's not be those people in this week. Let's actually be changed. Let's be convicted of anything that Jesus needs to turn over in our lives. Let's let him do it. He is pursuing us for what is best for our lives. And we should say yes and amen. Then on Tuesday, super fascinating, Jesus spends most of Tuesday and Wednesday teaching people in Jerusalem. So if you, if you read Matthew 21, Matthew 22, Matthew 23, these are all Jesus teaching people with three days left to live. He has three days left on planet Earth, and he spends two of his last three days teaching people. I think, um, man, I think that this like just shows the huge value that Jesus places on us understanding him. You know, faith is not a, like check your brain at the door and, uh, you know, just have faith, but don't use your mind and just, you know, follow me. He doesn't do that. He says, love me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He wants all of us. And he spends two of his last three days teaching, teaching us about him so that we could, we could know him. We could sit at the feet of our Savior, understand what he's revealing to us. And I, I think a great thing for us on Tuesday and Wednesday is to, to meditate on those things in Matthew 21, 22, 23, and, and to really open our lives up to him and say, am I posturing my life in a way that I'm continually learning from him? Or am I kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of want the get out of hell free card, and then I'll see you in heaven. I don't really want to know too much about you. Uh, man, th that's not his heart towards us. He actually wants us to know him, wants us to grow in knowing, knowing him. And he shows us the importance of that by how much he places on Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday also is, uh, it's a day that's historically known as Spy Wednesday. Um, and the reason it's called Spy Wednesday is that Wednesday is the day that Judas betrays Jesus. Wednesday is the day as uh, in Matthew 26, 15, Judas asks the tragic question to the religious leaders. He says, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. I'm, I'm interested in selling Jesus out. What do you have to give me? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver, and that is a pathetic price. 30 pieces of silver, even in that day with slavery and stuff, was a pathetic price for a human being. And Judas, uh, which is just a crazy thing to even comprehend, but Judas sells Jesus out for a worthless amount of money. Jesus was betrayed by one who was very close to him. But for the grace of God, I think for each of us is... Um, Man, Jesus has drawn really close to each of us. And I think, but by the grace of God, we could sell him out. 
but by the grace of God, like we can have hearts that are like, hey, what will you give me in exchange for Jesus? Financial security? You'll give me financial security and all I have to do is give up Jesus? Man, would we ever get that close? Would we ever be in a place like that? At the root of why Judas did what he did, he saw all the miracles recorded in the Bible. He was close to Jesus. But what he was closer to was a selfish desire for personal security. And he thought, tragically, because it wasn't true, but he thought 30 pieces of silver would get me closer than where I'm at right now. So I'll take it. Here's Jesus. And I think on Wednesday, oh man, just a, a solid question for us is, uh, are we all in in our relationship with Jesus? Are we all in in our relationship with him? Or do you want to be all in in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're like, well, I don't know, but that's what I want. I want that. And man, turn that desire into a prayer. Would Wednesday be a prayer of like, Lord, would you be the, the rest for my soul? Would I not look anywhere other than you for my everything? Would I not desire financial security if it's ever at the expense of you? Would, would my life be a desire for you and not a desire for things? And I think Wednesday can be a beautiful day of prayer for each of us in Holy Week to be deepened, to be all in with him. And the prayer could be like, I don't think I even want that, but would you maybe get me to where I want to want that? <laughs> you know, would, would you actually form that inside of me? Because I, I think I want that, but I don't feel that. And instead of like going away and being like, so, so I'll come back when I kind of got it together, that never works. He's like, no, I actually want to walk with you every step of that way and walk with you in desiring me more and more and having me be the center of your life. So that's on Wednesday. Now we're, we're getting closer to the cross, and that's on Thursday. Thursday is the last full day that Jesus would be on earth. It's his last day on earth. He knows it. People around him don't know it, but he knows it. For 33 years Earth has been Jesus' home. It was the place he created. Every step he took on earth was a step on ground that he formed back in the past. He has humbly come to us. He didn't come as this victorious king that lived in the most elite neighborhood in Rome and uh, you know, would just raise a glass and be like, everyone is forgiven. Like He didn't come as that type of king, even though he had every right to. He actually came, though, humbly. He will, the next time we see him, he will come in his splendor. But here on Thursday, he has his last full, humble day, and he spends it with his friends. Instead of them, in, instead of him letting his friends serve him, being like, I, you have no idea what I'm going to step into tomorrow, so serve me. Instead, this is the, the, the day that he washes his disciples' feet. This is the day that he um, prepares a meal for them. This is the day that he has the first communion with them. He then 
uh, from inside uh, of Jerusalem. He then heads out into the eastern gate of Jerusalem, and he walks out that eastern gate. Uh, some of you have, have walked this path in Jerusalem. He walks down the hill into the Kidron Valley, and there's a grove of trees that's known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And he spends Thursday night praying in the garden. This isn't this kind of like nice, calm prayer meeting, prayer service. Uh, Jesus is in such agony during this time of prayer that, that Scripture actually says he's sweating blood. So number one, he's sweating. Uh, how often do you sweat while you pray because you're praying with, with such passion and zeal? But he is not only sweating, but he's sweating blood, which... Uh, which uh, scholars and stuff have, have studied and said, like, this is actually possible under severe distress to actually sweat blood. Um, and so he asks his friends to stay awake with him and just be around him while he is preparing his heart for what's coming. And, uh, and man, his friends just keep falling asleep. They just are just so, probably they're probably pale because they're so tired and they just can't stay awake with him. So he's on his own to face this on his own. Um, he prays in such agony. You might be like, well, what's, why is he feeling this way when he's praying? He's praying with such agony because all of the sin of the human race is about to like my sins, every sin I've ever committed and will ever commit, every sin you have ever committed and will ever commit, any sin that anyone has ever committed towards you, and any sin that anyone committed 200 years ago or 200 years from now, and everything in between, all of earth's sins are going to be carried by Jesus on the cross. He knows this. And he is looking to the only one that actually matters at this time, the Father. And, and Thursday night is him praying. Jesus asks his friends to stay awake with him. They can't. They try to stay awake. And um, man, I would just encourage you. This might seem kind of different, but I would encourage you to just try to stay awake as long as you can Thursday night. Identify with the disciples. Before going to bed, maybe just go outside Look up at the sky, connect with Jesus, and uh, man, don't like just veg out in the front of TV Thursday night. Uh, don't you know do things that you might do to just kind of disconnect. Instead, I'd encourage you to like really be very present in Thursday night. Um, you might go to bed, but Jesus never goes to bed again. Like Jesus does not sleep Thursday night. And so, um, man, I think let your sleepiness identify with the disciples, recognize like we aren't as strong as he is. We're not as strong as we think we are. And, uh, and as you go to sleep, uh, just recognize that as you're going to sleep, Jesus isn't going to sleep because he is going to be enduring all the darkness that that night has to offer. And he's enduring all of the darkness of that night so, so that you can walk in light one day. So it gets really dark Thursday night, and he is fully engaged in the darkness of Thursday night so that you can be fully moving towards the light. Uh, Friday. So by the time you wake up Friday morning, Jesus hasn't slept at all, and he's already probably been severely beaten and flogged. This day is called Good Friday. Uh, what in the world is good about a day like this? It should be called Horrendous Friday or... Uh, but what is good about Friday of this week 
is that the payment of our sins is truly accepted by God. That is marvelous. That is fantastic. That is what makes Good Friday good, is because Jesus' work is not in vain. What Jesus is doing is not lost. What he is doing is he's securing the payment of our sins once and for all so that we can be free and be free in him. And this is happening on Good Friday. Um, Jesus is our hero, and we see it so clearly on Friday. He's becoming our substitute. We see this clearly on Friday. He's enduring the cross for you and for me. It's at 9 a.m. that Jesus is nailed to the cross. And so I even encourage you to set your timer on your phone, set an alarm, uh, just to, to go off at 9 a.m. on Friday and use that as a time of just thankful prayer um, and, uh, and just to be really aware, like Jesus is, is on the cross right now at 9 a.m. on Friday. Uh, when you sit down to eat lunch, Jesus has been on the cross for three hours I mean, let that sink in. You might read it. You might have been read to that, that story as a kid, and it just kind of was, you know, took 10 seconds to tell the story. But to actually be present in Friday and to recognize, wow, for three hours already, I've been doing things here and there. And he, that whole time, was only suffering on the cross from noon or from 9 a.m. to noon. And, uh, you know, you might not have an, an appetite on Friday, and I think that's super appropriate. I think that's actually us stepping into the realities of Holy Week. Um, many Christians throughout history have fasted on Friday. Many Christians have fasted every Friday. Uh, many Christians throughout history fasted every Wednesday and every Friday because of the betrayal of Jesus and then the death of Jesus on the cross and just having those be days of fasting and prayer. Jesus is on the cross all day Friday. You might not have realized this, but he declares the salvation of mankind is finished at 3 p.m. on Friday. So he spends six hours on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. His heart stops beating and the creator is crucified by his creation. At 3 p.m., the creator has been killed by his creation. Um, if your relationship with God is based on you being a good person, that's, uh, I think that's kind of what I grew up thinking, is that my relationship with God is me uh, just kind of being a good person. And if I do more good things than I do bad things, God will just he'll let me into heaven. If I do more bad things than good things, he won't let me into heaven. Then, um, man, with a, a mindset like that, it, it probably seems blown way out of proportion what Jesus did like seems super unnecessary for all of those things to happen. Um, you know, you might be thinking that, that maybe he could have just like cheered us on as, as we try to do more good than bad. And, uh, you know, maybe like it, these things didn't have to happen. If you observe this week, though, and I'd encourage you to like really ponder this week, ponder the things that we've talked about, um, if you really pay attention to Good Friday, to the things that we'll talk about on Good Friday, um, I think that you'll see that we are each way worse off, way worse off than we ever imagined. We don't just need a seminar on how to be good people. That would have been easy, and uh, but it would have been insufficient. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have had eternal consequences. And instead, 
we need to be rescued from the penalty of our sin. The events of this week is our rescue. That's why it's like, man, why would I want to walk through that? It's such a downer of a week. Why would I want to step into that? It's because our, it's our rescue. It's, it's us identifying what the cost was for our freedom. And that's why Sunday morning should be more victorious and more celebratory um, than, than maybe we've ever experienced and ever felt. For us to realize that we are far worse off than we ever imagined, and at the same exact time, we are far more loved than we could have ever dreamed of. He would do that for me? He's actually the somebody and I'm the nobody, and he would do that for me? What, is that, what does that make me in his eyes? Why would he care that much about me? Why would he do that for me? What type of love is that? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Like that is, if you are feeling that and thinking that, you are feeling and thinking clearly because it's true and you're far more loved than you could ever dream of. He would give himself as a substitute for us that we could believe and have everlasting life. That the darkness he experienced truly is our light and our freedom. So, so four ways for us that I would just encourage all of us to be super intentional this week is first to keep Holy Week holy, which is just simply you could, you could listen to this, maybe listen to portions of this um, again uh, throughout the week, or we'll actually send out a happenings uh, either tomorrow or Tuesday, probably tomorrow we'll send out happenings that has this kind of in a, in a note form where you can go back to it and, and each day kind of see those questions to ponder on. And so, um, so I would just encourage or through our podcast or on social media, like <laughs> seek us out. Uh, we'll, we'll be trying to cover all the bases of ways to communicate as a church together. But would you be intentional this week in keeping Holy Week holy? I think we just missed something if it's like, oh, it's Easter Sunday, and we missed all the days leading up to it and the things that I think could have formed us in those days. So first, would you keep Holy Week holy? And then second, I encourage us to fast and pray. I know that these are challenging times. I know with uh, compromised immune systems and things like that, I do want us to be wise, but I want us to be faithful. And I think it's a, a very appropriate time to fast and to pray this week. And um, what that could look like historically, that's fasting from food. Um, and fasting isn't just saying no to things. It's actually the intention is to put things aside that may dull or that we may even turn to to cope. So if it's like, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm going to eat ice cream. I'm feeling this, I'm going to eat a cheeseburger. And it's like, well, what if I, I maybe see what happens if instead of doing that, I feast on Jesus? <laughs> And that might sound weird, but it's like, hey, what my hunger is, I, I do, my stomach is growling, I hunger for a cheeseburger. But what if I say, God, I hunger way more for your presence. I hunger way more for you to, to just give me joy. And, and even in this week, for you to give me joy like that Macedonian church had. And, um, and so I want to feast on you. I want to feast on those things. So just me personally, what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to not eat food on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So just kind of signifying what we talked about on Monday, what we talked about on Wednesday, and then what we talked about Friday. So I'm going to fast those three days and uh, let your conscience be your guide. Ask the Lord what he may want you to do. Um, but I'm going to fast Monday, Wednesday, Friday from food, but I'm going to fast and I'm, I'm resolving. I think this will be really good for my soul is to fast starting today through Good Friday uh, from the news, from from having to to hit refresh and see if there's changes. And I'm going to let some people know, like, hey, if there's some major news, just text me what it is. Uh, but, but I really want to focus myself and my heart so that I can be present with people, so I can be present in our community and not just be kind of holed up somewhere uh, just uh, feeding on the 24-hour news cycle. So that'll be for me, and I just encourage each of us, like what, whatever that looks like for us, but to really consider this being a week way more than maybe you would any other week of the year to step into fasting and praying uh, for the Lord to guide us. Uh, then the third one is let's gather on Friday and on Sunday. So our Good Friday service, as I mentioned, we've got the 5 p.m. service, which uh, the gathering there, kind of the idea is like that'd be a great time for families and to come together. And, and as we've been stepping into kind of that 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Friday, this is a time for us to, to, to come together around this. And, and in some ways, think of it as like a you'd never miss your best friend's funeral. Like you just wouldn't. It's so important. You would you would never miss your best friend's funeral. And it's not exactly the way our Good Friday service is going to be, but at the same time, like it's a moment in the life of the church that is very important for us to gather together. So we'll do that at 5 p.m. But then the 9 p.m. is the kind of the, some of the the thinking in that is what if. Uh, maybe for some of you, you might want to put your kids to bed, maybe even do the 5 p.m. service with them. But then with, with your kids asleep, maybe you and your wife or husband could step into the 9 p.m. service with even even a, 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 even in, in a deeper way, perhaps, to be able to go into that. Or just the idea of what if our last thoughts before going to bed on Friday is coming together as a church and really standing in this moment of what his, uh, what his death um, cost. Or, and what our sin cost. So and then Sunday morning, would you gather with us Sunday morning? 8 a.m., kind of the idea there is like the first thing that we focus, it's kind of like the idea of Christmas morning, kind of the first thing that you do is wake up early and want to open presents, you know, and, and my kids always want to get up way earlier than any other time in the year. Uh, well, they used to, I think as they're getting teenagers, maybe not so much, but um, but kind of the idea is with that that passion of Christmas morning, that we would feel that for Easter morning and be able to gather together right away at 8 a.m., um, but then also at 10 a.m. at our regular time will be a beautiful service, too. So would we keep Holy Week holy? Would we fast and pray, gather on Friday and Sunday? And then last, uh, just intentionally, would we live by faith? Would we live by faith this week? Galatians 2.20 speaks so clearly. Listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave him, himself for me. And uh, this, is a, this is powerful truth for the person who for the first time today is placing their faith in Jesus as your Savior. This is powerful truth. These are clear, powerful words 
that can radically change your life this morning, putting your trust, your faith in Jesus as your Savior, realizing it's no longer you who live, but giving your life to Jesus, even, even being even crucified with him, recognizing that, that that was your sin with him on the cross, and now it is you, and now it is, it is Christ who lives in you. So if you're putting your faith in Jesus today, we rejoice with you. We rejoice in that. That's been our prayer. And if you've been living by faith in Jesus for decades, Galatians 2.20 is just as fresh and just as timely today as ever. Let's pray together. Lord, would each of us be crucified with Christ? Would you give us that grace uh, to see that? Would you give us that strength to step into this? Uh, not to try harder, but instead to say, Lord, would you write this on my life, Lord, that I would be crucified with Christ, that it would no longer be us who live, but that it would be Christ living in us. Would the life that we now live in the flesh be by faith in the Son of God who loved us, and gave himself for us. Amen. Amen. I, I just want to thank you for gathering with us. Uh, I, uh, the chat area is going to be open for another 20 minutes, and so feel free to use that. I'd love to hear how, I'll jump in that too, and so I'd love to hear just how uh, the Lord is speaking to you through this and uh, ways that we can come alongside of you, ways that we can pray for each other. Or if you just want to check in, just wave, see each other's faces, I'd love to, to do that too. We're going to have a, a link popping up on a, a Zoom link that's a connection group, which is once again just a great place that we can actually do a, a, a video call through Zoom. You've probably, many of you have done those the last few weeks. And, uh, and once again, we can just say hi to each other, pray for each other, and just check in and see how we're doing. So, so let's live in the grace and the peace of Jesus this week.